it's like. God, can you imagine? I can't imagine. Patreon. Anyway, all access. <clears throat> if, if you want to know what we were just talking about, you can check our YouTube page and see our Patreon where you could join the fourth tier and you could join us here and hear the absolute drivel and nonsense that, that, that we discuss before we hit record. Um, you'll probably be unsurprised to know that the last time there was genuine, like, related discussion, civil discussion, before we hit record. And that was because Louis wasn't there. <laughs> but we love him nonetheless. So, yeah, I'm going to press mute. Welcome to <laughs> another episode of Time to Talk Titanic. In this episode, uh, as you'll have guessed by the thumbnail, um, we're, we're here to cancel Charles Lightoller or defend him. It's, it's one or two, but we're here to discuss the man. I've kept the thumbnail quite neutral because of that. I don't know how this is going to go. I never know how it's going to go. Just like with the, the last recording we did, um, that was really interesting because kind of half of us were like, Titanic was always going to sink. It was always meant to happen. And I'm not very spiritually like weirdy woo. And I was quite surprised at myself that that's where I landed. And I think Presley was also one person that kind of landed at that destination. Um, but that was a really interesting discussion. Um, so in terms of Lightoller, if you're listening to this and you're not entirely aware of the man, the myth, the legend that is Charles Herbert Lightoller, I'm going to, I did this last time, I don't know where it's going to appear, it's going to appear up here somewhere, but I did a video essay about, it wasn't meant to be about the man, but I kind of was like, why did people not believe that Titanic broke when it sank? You know, what led to that? And in reading about it during lockdown, I had nothing to do. I created a video essay, like everyone did, you know, bake bread. <laughs> I didn't do that. But, um, you know, so I'll put it up here, but you can watch that and that will give you a brief rundown, especially kind of the last half of that video essay about how Lightoller's testimony was so impactful and believed by the ones who were in charge of the Senate inquiry and the British Rec Commission. Um, which was, I was really surprised to hear that. And in our last discussion, Callum, I can't remember how it exactly came up, but again, you'll see it if you watch that episode. Callum mentioned Lightoller, and I was like, light bulb moment, that's an episode. Um, that's kind of how this all happens. You know, it's, it's quite organic. It's pretty relaxed. You know, we'll chat about anything and everything. Um, could we dedicate a whole episode to a rivet? Probably not, but we would try. Content. Um, but yeah, so we are here to talk about Lightoller, um, and I'm really, really excited to get into it. But before we do that, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to tell you to like, comment, and subscribe. Comment. Sometimes you comment on the YouTube channel, and it's really, it's awesome to read your comments and see what you're thinking. I think sometimes you get engrossed in it and you don't, but I want to know what you're thinking of the discussion. I want to know, even if it's like moment by moment, I don't care if you, because it's happened before. I don't care if you post like 70 comments, do it. Just let us know what you're thinking of this. Like, give us your input. Um, even if it's negative, even if it's like, I want this guy to shut the up. Like, just do it. Um, I will yeah, shut the and, fuck up. No, we love you. And I love all of you. <laughs> Never shut up. And yeah, and go on to our YouTube page. You'll see our Patreon. You'll see the Instagram. Um, we post on there to kind of promote what's coming up. Um, so... If you, because I know YouTube's a bit weird, there's like a bell icon, and if you don't hit that, you don't get notifications. Why? I don't know. 
But um, if you follow the Instagram, you'll see when we're uploading and you'll kind of see it in our stories what the next kind of few episodes are. And you'll be able to engage, you'll be able to give input. And we ask a lot of the time what you guys think about what we're going to talk about. And, and that makes it into the shows. It does. Um, but if you could join their Patreon, you'll be part of the show. You know, you won't just, you know, you will be part of the show. But anyway, moving along. Um, I'll start with Louis. Hello, Louis. How are you? Hello, Aaron. I'm I'm very well. I I was holding back the whole time from shouting out what the fuck sort of a name is Herbert, um, but apart from that, I'm good. At least it's a middle name. At least it's a middle name. Uh, Presley, your time is done. Presley, how are you? I am good. How are you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm excellent. I'm great. I'm a. Uh, before we hit record, me and Presley just, just discovered that we were named after the one, the only, not Louis, Elvis Presley. Um, <laughs> right? Like, I love that. My mum misspelled the name, but it's a combination of the A-A-R-O-N, because Elvis Aaron Presley, his middle name was Aaron, um, and it's spelled the traditional Hebrew, double A-R-O-N. Um, whereas mine's like a combination of the Isle of Arran, which is A-R-R-A-N. Uh, it's an island in Scotland and the traditional name. So there you go. Me and Presley were, it's, it's more than just Titanic that connects us, you know? And and a woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. And sometimes Elvis, <laughs> Elvis is just down there fucking gyrating and like moving his groin. Next. And, you know, doing his thing. But anyway, next, we're going to move on to Chandler. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Lovely to be back. It's been ages. Um, you caught me out of the group. <clears throat> sorry. You were oh, sorry. Saying... No, no, no. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased we picked today because I'm literally the, the other date you gave. I was like, I'm going to be in Croatia. I think so. Like, this is great. This is very good. <laughs> Happy to be here um, after a bit of a hiatus. So, yeah, lovely to see you all. Where in Croatia did you go? I'm off there in autumn. I'm off to Dubrovnik. Oh, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow. Oh, right, right. Okay. So, so I'll be in, what is it? I'm flying to Budapest, which obviously is in Hungary, not Croatia. Um, but I'm meeting a, a dear friend of mine from New York. And then we're going to hop down to Zagreb, Zagreb, and then split Havar and then Dubrovnik. And then I'm flying back from Dubrovnik. So it should be fun. Nice little be... real holiday, which should be very yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Croatia is stunning. I, to be fair, I've been to Split and Dubrovnik, but it was part of a cruise. Um, so it was very short. I didn't realize when you stop at these places, you can, you're not there for long. It's like a few no. hours. And we nearly missed the ship back from <laughs> stop somewhere in Turkey. And the ship was like bellowing. It's whatever. And that had happened before. And we laughed, me and my ex. We were like, oh my God, imagine like missing the ship. That's such a redneck. Like it sucks to be you. And then we did it in Croatia. We like, I forget if it was Spartan Dubrovnik, but we were like running and they were getting ready to pull the gangways up. Mm-hmm. But when we got on the crew, they were so nice. They were just laughing and they were like slapping our backs. But I was like, it's fun in games now, but we'd been stuck in Croatia and that's a me problem, but still yeah. that's... So you almost had a Jack and Fabrizio moment then. Yes! <laughs> I was like having the same image. <laughs> and they'd already checked <laughs> and had lights. Yeah, I don't have any lice. I'm Scottish. Yeah, got, how did you pass every, that I've got test? Everything else, lice. <laughs> you know, as Scottish people, we've got like but all of it. Scottish blood is so strong; it rejects the, the lice. 
It's like we're like koalas. We're riddled with chlamydia, but we don't have lice. Like it's the iron brew. It is. It's toxic. That lethal. Ooh, all the sugar. We use it, yeah, as like a lice treatment. We use it as fake tan. We just can clean the floors. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. We put it in baby bottles. We just give the babies iron brew. Iron brew everywhere. You know, we feed it to the haggis before we, you know, take them on to be food. It's. I saw iron brew soap the other day. No. Was Where? it like a Carex one? Like I, I, I don't, I think it was like off-brand iron brew soap, but it was like bright orange and it was like orange brew. <laughs> I was like, what is like this? No, this is too much, too much. Nathan, Nathan laughed there and I'm going to, I kind of want to, from my position, I'm going to skip you, Callum, but you're going to be the first to speak due to reasons. But just Nathan kind of laughed there at the haggis comment. So my eye, I'm just like, you know, Nathan, how are you? I love you. It's good to see see you. This is the first time you've been yes. visible on the show. Yeah. Um, you've got a new mic. It's very sexy. Mm-hmm. It's red and black. We love to see it. I fucking um, love your hair. Nathan, oh, thank you. Thank you, But yeah, but how are how are you? And what's your relation to haggis? I'm or lovely. Knowledge. What's your knowledge <laughs> of haggis? Well, they're little animals that are very fuzzy. They kind of look like platypus. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And they're real. Obviously. Yep. And my dad always told me that haggis can run like sideways, which always made me think it was really cool. By the way, haggis aren't real. It's haggis is the problem. I was so like- confused. <laughs> Oh, bless. I literally had this conversation with Scottish people the other day because someone messaged in the chat and was like, oh, what animal is a haggis? And I laughed and I was, I was like, it's not a fucking animal. And then I was sat here listening to you guys talking. I'm like, <laughs> I just mugged off my friend and it's actually a thing. So Yeah, so you thought you were lied to. But yeah, me and Nathan had a whole discussion about haggis. And like, I thought they were real till I was like 12. Because uh, my dad just, <laughs> he told me they were real. And I believe my dad because reasons. Um and then, yeah, one day we were having it and I was like, so what, why is it like this? Why is the texture not like chicken or pork or, and my dad, my dad was just, oh, cause it's not real. Cause it's made of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, so like, they're all sitting and drawing their meal. And I'm like, I've been lied to my whole life. This is very tasty. Um, it was wild, but, um, but yeah, Nathan, it's so lovely to see you. I'm so glad you could join us. You too. Um, and yeah. Nathan's hair is glorious. It's a glorious mane, and we love to see it. Um, Callum, hop back to Callum. How are you, Callum? I'm doing fine, thank you. Um, I was about to say good evening, but I don't want to like timestamp whenever people are listening to it. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. All right, Truman. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> um, I'm doing fine. Yeah, once I did that in an intro, I was like, you know, good. And then I had to kind of correct myself to, but I wasn't so much thinking for the listeners. I was thinking for like everyone on it because we're all different. So, but yeah, good day, good evening, good night, whatever you are. Um, just good, good. Um, it's Should have stuck with hello, mate. Would have ordered all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, just... well, there's a YouTuber who uses a good now. I don't know if that's a good phrase to... <laughs> Oh, I like that. Good now. Good now. Oh, love it. I love to hear that. Sebastian, On off of that little nugget of glory, how are you? Um, munching away there, eating your, uh, your yeah. feet. Eating, eating your... Oh, what is that? 
What year? It's what happens when you go to a spontaneous uh, trip to Sweden. It looks like Pride Sweets. I thought it looked like the Friends logo to me, but I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't. But it's I saw Swedish I saw like colours down the side. But um, I was I, I went to like class mode there. I was like, I hope you've got enough for everyone. I hope you've got enough to share for us all. <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, there's a problem with the mail and all, so getting it to you is probably going to be a bit of a yeah, right. So I'm good. We've gone around. We've said hello. If you've never seen us before, we've introduced ourselves because I'm aware that people who watch maybe haven't watched prior episodes. So it's nice to meet everyone kind of clean slate. You know, we're not ostracizing anyone. We're not shaming anyone for not watching previous episodes. It's all good. You know, you never know us. Yes. You feel safe. <laughs> but Charles Herbert Lightoller, I don't know about him. I don't know if he should feel as comfortable <laughs> as, as we are right now. Um, yeah. So as I said before, and I'm going to start with Callum, especially because it was Callum who kind of helped inspire this episode. I don't, I don't know if I would have thought of this without him, um, which I, I love. I love the fact that, you know, there's things bouncing off of each other and that that, that can inspire a- anything in this, um, which is part, part of what I hoped would come from this. So I'm glad that that's happening. Um, but yeah, Charles Lightoller, as I kind of mentioned, I think, when we started this episode, I was really surprised to hear how much he influenced everything about Titanic. Um, you know, all the films you've watched, the the way that newspapers reported it, the the final kind of say of the British Rec Commission and the Senate inquiry. Um, now, Callum is a history teacher, um, which puts us to shame. Because we're just like novices, like we're. I mean, to be fair, he's a professional. I mean, <laughs> my history teacher, Mrs. McCann, she taught me the classic: how many kilos of potatoes were on Titanic, and what time did it sink at? If I had nowadays, if I bumped into Mrs. McCann and went, "Mrs. McCann, do you know?" If I'd like asked her something really deep, she probably wouldn't know. And that's not a criticism; that's just kind of like a statement of fact. Titanic to a lot of people, including. The fact that it's taught as part of the curriculum, the British curriculum anyway, I don't, I don't in America, that'll be quite interesting to hear when I get to our American counterparts. Is it taught in America as part of, you know, it, it's standard that when you go into high school or whatever you guys call it, is it is it taught? <laughs> is it part of what teachers teach you? Because here it is. And the, the learning outcome is, can I basically pay attention to something that happened in the past? Can I stay engaged? Can I recount that event after the fact, you know, to the teacher or to my peers? And can I create something about it based on what I've heard? So can I create a poster, a newspaper article, uh, a model, something like that, um, which I think is really cool. But it, it's used basically not as a standard of this really terrible thing happened. It's used it as a case of, this is the most famous historical event, or one of, that is also so prominent in pop culture. So we're going to use that as just a standard history lesson. Um, so the fact that Callum is a history teacher, I think is really fascinating. And I'm really excited to hear your take on it. You inspired this episode. You are uh, <laughs> iconic. And yeah, yeah, you know, I can't wait to hear it. And you've got great eyebrows. So bring it on you know what what are your takes on Charles Herbert Lightoller well um 
for my university dissertation, I probably spent about a third of it slamming him. Um, but, oh God, that, that, that came out wrong. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't take it that way, but maybe, maybe he did. I just saw Louis go. <laughs> um, I spent about a third of it, um, kind of, it was, it was looking into the media and how the media had portrayed um, certain aspects of, of Titanic uh, throughout kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of the way it was recorded, in particular kind of film and, and, and television. And um, it's there when I kind of really started to dislike him. Um, I used to quite like him once upon a time. I used to kind of, you know, buy into the films. I used to buy into the fact, you know, he was this incredibly organised vocal person. He was the one leading the charge on the night. Um, you know, when you buy into the fact, you know, oh, Captain Smith, he's, he's just off there standing in the, the wheelhouse, you know, closing the doors, being dramatic. Um, Murdoch is off shooting people, shooting himself. When you buy into all that, then, um, you know, Charles Lightoller seems like the, the kind of the hero of, of the event. But when you start kind of scratching beneath the surface, when you start reading his own words into it, um, you start to kind of realise that he's been given a little bit too much credit over the years, I think, at the expense of people like Murdoch. Um, so that's where it kind of all really began for me for disliking him, I'd say. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um just personally when you say you, you mentioned uh, Captain Smith and today when I was reading the American inquiry notes um, it was there was such a back and forth and um, Senator Smith kept saying you know so because he doesn't get the proportions of the ship he doesn't get how wide it was he doesn't get the fact that you could walk through the bridge and get to the other side you know unobstructed there was a, an open you could just go right through. There were no doors. It was just, a, there was a part where there were doors, but then there was a part of the bridge where you could go from the port side to the starboard side uninterrupted. And that was that was a thing. Um, and Lytoller basically said, yeah, the last time I saw Captain Smith, he was walking, you know, across the bridge. And Senator Smith was like, and, and how did he do that? And Lightoller was like, you could tell just by reading it, it was this close to be like, on his fucking feet. He did it on his feet. And he, like, this. And he went from A to B. And Senator Smith was just like, right, and, and what? why was he walking? And I was like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Maybe he saw a puppy and he was like, oh, puppy. And he went over to, like, I, he was like, I don't know. Like, I got so frustrated when I was reading the inquiry notes because I was just like, oh, my God. And I get it, you know, maybe the guy wants to get as much information out as, as he can. But there were points where I actually felt sorry for Lightoller because I was like, he doesn't know the answers to this and he's not claiming to know the answers because that would make him look a bit unhinged. Um, but but even in that, you know, the fact that the last time he saw him, he was around the bridge area. Did that influence the 97 depiction where we see Smith in the, in the wheelhouse, in the, the bridge, you know, as it goes under? We don't know. Um, personally, that was actually the one thing that I read, and I was like, actually, no, because Lightoller was, I think, implying, actually, that he was walking over to the port side. Um, and actually, the, the last certain account of Smith was actually him, Andrews, and someone else whose name I forget, 
but definitely Andrews and Smith jumping from the wing of the port side, jumping into the water and swimming to a, a lifeboat. So actually, Lightoller might have been the last person to see him walking to the port side, because Lightoller was in command of the starboard side. Um, and then someone, no, in charge of the. It was the port. Yeah. Sorry, port. sorry. Yeah, port side, port side, um, <laughs> port side. So Lightoller might have been the last person to see him walking that way. Um, but but yeah, it's you know how certain are we of that account of. Uh, Smith and Andrews jumping over the side because I've seen conflicting things about that as well um, I've seen <laughs> some people say yeah it happened and other people say well actually if you read the actual account it's someone who says I think it was Smith and Andrews jumping over the railing but then it was paraphrased in the sea of glass saying it was was them so I'm again I'm not 100% sure what happened there it's a cool story <laughs> you know what do you guys think you know personally i i've i've latched on to that because i think that the 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 zombie mode of smith and andrews i actually think that's quite lazy writing i think it's quite lazy script writing i think it's it's convenient you know to show them just going into these states of staring at paintings or staring at the windows as they go into water and just dying and that's it and i actually think you know thinking of these two men being at the front of the ship you know having done their job right to the end and jumping into the water you know they don't know if they're going to live they don't know if they're going to get onto a lifeboat but they're giving it a go um that person i i've connected with that but i know that some people connect with the very switched off you know poignant and heroic depictions of them um, yeah, not that I jumping mean, into water isn't heroic. I think if, if you stay to your post to the end and then you jump into the water, that's also heroic. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to hear what other people think about that as a, a side I'd, kind of question. I'd like to believe from seeing, reading other testimonies and other sources that they were a lot more proactive towards the end. I don't believe in this whole zombie mode of being switched off that you see in the 97 film. Um, you know, there's there's testimonies of, you know, towards the end, Smith was relieving officers of duty. He was going into the wireless room, relieving them, and then he gave the final command to abandon ship and every man for himself. So I, I don't believe that he was in this sort of state of walking around aimlessly, you know, and he even helped launch some of the lifeboats himself, which has never been shown in any of the, um, you know, the medias that we've seen on it. Um, but then it's that final, you know, few minutes that he had that, you know, there's there's no certain tell. Like some people say they saw him in the bridge. Some people say they saw him jump over. Some people say they saw him in the wheelhouse. Some people say he committed suicide, which again, I don't believe that was him. Um, and then there's also that account of him taking a baby over to Collapsible B, which I think is a bit of a hero complex story of, ah, oh, to his dying breath, he took a baby and then swam away. I mean, maybe he did swim towards Collapsible B towards the end, but couldn't make it or, you know, but I, I don't believe for a second that he just went into this state of, you can't go that that's him and he'd it, be like, oh, it's just like, yeah. Well, just while we're on you, Louis, what do you think of Lightoller? What's your take on him? You know, his account, him as, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? I have a very conflicting opinion of Lightoller. You know, um, 
from what he says, he interpreted Captain Smith's orders as women and children only, rather than women and children first, which was perceived on the starboard side. So part of me thinks, you know, he was acting to Captain's orders, you know, by refusing men onto the boat, even when there were spaces. I mean, is that logical? No. Is he following the Captain's command from what he has believed to have been told? Yes. So I feel like there's a very, you know, swaying. I'm I'm not, I don't think there is a definitive he was evil or he was a hero. I definitely don't think he was a hero and I don't think he was evil, you know, because his actions in, in future events like the, the Dunkirk, the invasion of Dunkirk, you know, he took his little boat and he went there uh, to help people. So that's my dog. So I don't think, you know, I, I'm very on the fence with it. I'd, I'd like to hear everyone else's opinions to maybe help sway mine. Um, but I don't think it's as black and white as he was either a hero or he was evil. You know, I, I feel like there's there's a middle ground following orders, maybe not using the best logic. Mm. Um, it's a yeah. old castle. God damn. <laughs> the, the Dunkirk thing is interesting. Um, I, I think Chandler wanted to go there. So I'm, I was going to go to you next anyway. Um, just because you've got a better beard than me and Louis has got no beards and Nathan's, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And Nathan's <laughs> possibly got a better beard than any of us but um, he's also got better hair than any of us I don't know, Presley's, Presley's got the whole wave I don't know, it's I, don't know. I, think, I think Presley has a much better beard than any of us here together So <laughs> Presley's got the invisible beard it's iconic, we love an iconic I invisible I shaved it just for today <laughs> Why would I you do that. that to us? But um, just when you said Dunkirk, so I was away in Berwick-upon-Tweed at the weekend. Um, me, my brothers, and my brother's girlfriend had bought our grandparents a little getaway. So we told them we were staying in like this old rusty rickety caravan, and we actually were staying in, like a nice Airbnb, and it was really it was beautiful and wholesome, <laughs> whatever. But my granddad's really into cinema; like he'll just go to this cinema on his own and watch. Like he went to uh, Joker, he he went to Dunkirk, nineteen sixteen. You know. And I think nowadays going to the cinema on your own, it's a bit like, okay, like you do you boo. But like, yeah, and his, it's like, what, like, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Like, why not? But he was talking about Dunkirk and I was like, oh, it's like, did you know? Crossover event. Um, they don't name him as Lytoller, but there's a character in Dunkirk who, yeah, like the, the most people he'd ever got onto that boat was like 20 odd, but he got like 130 odd onto it. Um, and it got them away from danger. And that was Charles Herbert Lightoller, who was the most senior. And my granddad, was his mind was like blown. He was like, why didn't they call him Charles Lightoller in the film? And like, well, I, I don't know. I feel like Charles Lightoller's like great, great niece is very active. And I don't know if maybe they had changed enough of the story that she was actually like, no because it's too different. So actually to credit him, you're not crediting him because actually maybe maybe he saved like 200. I've not seen the film. So maybe it was like 300 people on the boat and that was like wrong. I don't know. But they didn't credit him as being that person. They changed the name entirely. Um, Funny so thing like, about you saying the great, great niece because Megan's best friend is his, it's either great, great or great, great, great granddaughter. And for wow. every Christmas, they actually go to the sundowner um, the, the boat and they have like a like a, an evening there um, on the boat itself which is a really cool connection 
but I found out through Megan. Well, that's getting gate crashed. I'm there. But um, yeah, so it's like when I heard that, I was like, he's such a hero. Like he is such a strong individual and like clearly has good, you know. But then also part of that, when I heard that, I was like, is that survivor's guilt? The fact that he was able to ram so many people onto this little boat of his that had never had that many people on it. And yet the first boat that he lowered from the port side, not starboard side, port side, <laughs> had 25 people on it. Then the next one was 30. And then the third one was 60 odd. So like clearly, you know, there was that. And I, I think that that Dunkirk w- was an extension of that. You know, my the first lifeboat had 25. The next ship that I used to save people had 130. And I actually think the two were connected as much as they were decades apart. I think the two, it's impossible to co- disconnect Titanic mm. and Dunkirk. It, it could also be a thing where he knows his ship. You know, that's that's his, the sundown is his, not ship, it's his boat. He knows it, he knows what it can take. Whereas those lifeboats was very precarious. They weren't 100% sure. Um, well, Andrew's told him <laughs> they were tested in Belfast with the weight of 70 men. <laughs> now, Phil, these folks man. sick, man. He was raging. You know, he, Victor Garber, <laughs> told him, he was like, You know, you know that these. God, if, that's, if that's one way to work on the Daddy Andrews case, I don't know what else is. <laughs> oh, God, no, again. He could shout at me all day. But, like, he. He fucking knew. Like, and I've got things, I'll read them out later. You know, I've got receipts. Lightoller, I've got receipts. Lightoller's ghost is trembling. But like he knew. He knew they were safe. But actually, I learned something after researching with this. I was like, I was in my vibe, I was chilling, I was like, I'm recording later, I've done my eyebrows, all's good. And I I'm got a message from someone who we all know. No. And I was like, shit, maybe not. But um, but yeah, Lightoller. Bit of a hero, bit of an alt hero, but um, yeah. So next, Chandler. Hello. It's interesting for me because, like, I'm just sort of listening at the minute to what everyone has to say, and he's he's a very he's a complex individual. I think he follows orders very well. I think that's one thing about him that I've always sort of categorized him as somebody who follows orders. The fact that they hit an iceberg and he doesn't even get up; he just waits so that if anybody needs him they know where he is he just stays in his in his bunk until what was it like at least a half hour later or something like that i forget the exact time yeah so yeah, i think he's sorry just as you were saying that he got out of when the collision first happened he was in his pajamas because when yeah. senator smith said to him what were you wearing he said nothing and i'm assuming he wasn't naked <laughs> you know as much as i'd love to see it he was wearing his pajamas yeah no so yeah so you're spot on actually that's a really good point that he to the point where he was not told to get out of bed and dress so he walked out of his own volition but in his pajamas so he was like pretty cash like so yeah you're right yeah i think it's interesting because like i go back and forth on him i think the whole following orders thing like women and children first that's an order and if that's something he's told to do and if he just follows orders then he's just following what he's told to do and probably only realizing later that actually things are a bit worse than they are. Cause obviously we get his testimony about like watching the water rise from the staircase all the way down um, uh, to the boiler rooms. So like, I think he has, 
has to have a moment. There must be some moment in those two hours and 40 minutes where he realizes that things are not what he assumes they are, even if he's given information quite early on. But I, I mean, most people probably, I, I doubt, I, I would highly doubt he was told right off the bat, yeah, you've got 90 minutes, you've got two hours. I, I assume he was probably just sat there being like, okay, women and children into the boats, get them away for them to do what they're designed to do, which is just ferry people back and forth. Somebody will get here. The ship's going to last for a long time. And only when it became clear that that wasn't the case, does he then, was it, he's the one who ordered people downstairs to open the, the D deck um, companionway. And that's something that he probably chose to do of his own volition. And obviously it speeds up the sinking, but the intention is there for it to be a good thing. So yeah, I don't know. Dunkirk's an interesting one though. And cause I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like that's more him in his old age, just being like, I can do something. I'm a really, really experienced like seaman, like ship captain officer. What was it? He, he was a chief, like lieutenant in the, in the military. I forget what his fine, like highest title was in, in the military, but like he was retired. But if he's sat there being like, I can do something. I don't know. I'm, I always go back and forth about hero complex or like survivor's guilt in relation to that, especially when it's 30 years later. But I think that may have just, just been pure blind patriotism. And like, I can do something. He seems very can do uh, kind of guy. I don't know. I'm not sure what my take on him is. Hero, villain, who can say? So I'm going to, I'll let, I'll let the, the evening decide. Mm -hmm. I'll have an opinion by the end. I love that. And, and just know that our narrative will be the prevailing narrative. So if we decide that he was, I don't even know, like a furry, that, that will be what prevails. But not, not really, not really. Charles Lightoller was not a funny. Louis is like, he wasn't? No. But, yeah, I think... He's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just like, we, we said funny. We did. Um, but when you see people playing Roblox Titanic, they've always got, like, these furry outfits on and they're running around. So I thought that was... <laughs> and that, you know, it was, keep, keep them warm. It was cold. You know, you want to be funny and, you know, you know. But anyway, yeah, I think that's interesting, you know, is it a hero complex or is it survivor skill? And I think it's a combination of both because from myself reading his testimony um, at both the British one and the American one, it's a combination of, you know, there was a moment where, I didn't, I didn't hold it down, but it stuck with me, where um, Senator Smith said to him, so, so what, you were just taking all these men or... Because he said that his rule on his side was to take two men in each boat. And Senator Smith said, so what, that was an arbitrary thing? So he's basically saying that was just something you thought, like, eh, whatever. Um, but Lightoller replies and says, no, that was my decision. So he's almost like, you know, Senator Smith, it, it, to be fair, and it's one of the very few moments that Senator Smith's not been a little, a little cuck to Lightoller, you know, because as I'll get on to, Senator Smith doesn't know shit. Like, if you said the stern was, you know, Smith would think that the stern was the front of the ship. You know, he think seems so incompetent during that, that, those, those inquiries. He's, yeah, yeah. He uh, uh, so Rose you're the lookout, doing... and did you have the binoculars? Uh, no, we didn't. Why not? Because they were locked away. Who had the binoculars? They were locked away. Where are the binoculars? They were locked away. It's like, so Jack and Rose were doing the flying pose at the stern. 
No. So, but the stern goes backwards. So surely her shawl was flying in her face. No, no, no. They were doing it at the bow. But, but they were doing it at the bow. The bow is the front, you know, it was like that. Like, I'll get into it. It's a whole thing. Senator Smith doesn't know what a ship is. It's a shame. But I'll also defend him. But, um, but yeah, I just think there was like one moment where Lytoller kind of kind of said to like Senator Smith, like, you know, I, I am the, you know, it wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't arbitrary because I thought of it. You know, this whole thing of like two men per boat. That wasn't regulation. That wasn't a rule. No one, no one, that was nowhere. So actually, Senator Smith saying that was arbitrary is true. It's true. That was arbitrary. But Lytle was like, no, it was my decision. It's like, yes, your decision was arbitrary. Like, and Smith should have said that, but he didn't because he was clueless and fair. But um, but yeah. The, I like that whole, was it a hero complex or was it survivor's guilt? Because again, we'll never know. But I just, a lifeboat is a different thing from a small, you know, ship of sorts. It is a different thing. Um, or a small passenger vessel. It is totally different. So I can understand why he felt more confident with that. Um, but yeah, that's what makes Lytoller such a, a fascinating fellow. Super fascinating. Um, Presley. You're next. Oh, I'm so ready. I have my list again. I'm super ready. I'm buzzing. <laughs> so I'm defending him in a way. I. <laughs> can Presley's cancelled. Presley, you're blocked. You're out. Get, there. get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> okay. But, so I just <laughs> how I approached this is I was kind of like, what was his life like? What were the things he did in his life? What kind of person he was? And so. Um, you guys are can feel free to stop me if I'm wrong in any of this, but I have a few notes because he had a pretty crazy life. So he started off um, working in Rio on an internship, and their um, ship was broken there for um, some time, and that was in the middle of a smallpox outbreak and a revolution. Then when they got that boat working, they were shipwrecked on Isle St. Paul, which I don't know, some island for like eight days and then they just happened to be um <laughs> yeah I'm just going off <laughs> they just happened to be um rescued so he also uh got trapped with some sharks in Kolkata I don't know if I said that right he uh looked for gold in Canada in night in 1898 so he did a lot of stuff after the Titanic he commanded a HMTB 117 like torpedo thing and that's where he got rewarded the dis the distinguished service cross thing and then when he was commanding the hms gary they rammed a german u-boat and because of the damage caused at the bow they had to uh go backwards like in reverse to yorkshire for like a hundred miles so here's what i think is interesting <laughs> i know i'm just so going off I was smiling at the way that how you said Yorkshire. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? I am from Yorkshire, so I, I can I can yep. Yeah, you're okay. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so um the commander of the German U-boat um later claimed in his memoirs he was like Lytaller ordered us to sh um shoot the surviving men. And Lytaller in his book 
was like, that completely did not happen. He said that they left them um, and that they rescued the men. I don't know. It's pretty unclear. And so that's what I think is interesting is I think you get these few accounts where people are saying things about him. He's saying something completely different within his book. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel, but he did, he had a pretty crazy life. And then he died, um, during the, um, the smog of London in 1952, which do you guys know about that? I didn't <laughs> until Great today. Smog. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I love that. I, yes, I'm all yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the crown, isn't it? They show it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of crown. the crown. Well, I, I knew partly about it before, but the way it was shown in the crown was really good. My grandparents went dancing. That's like that's that's it's like they're like we can't see a we thing. Let's dance. <laughs> I was saying my teacher used to tell me about the great smog and how like you just couldn't see like this far in front of you because of how polluted it was. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. He had a pretty crazy life. And then I was reading this other thing. I was I was really researching, and his <laughs> wife after he died, um, she said in something that there was this great family kept secret and that. Hitchens had ac actually um, turned the Titanic towards the iceberg. And it was like this family secret. But it was after Lightoller's death, his wife came out with this. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that's pretty unclear with his accounts. Me and, me and Louis have spoken to, to be fair, we've not spoken to a relative who even knew that he was related to Hitchens. You know, it's not like we've spoken to someone that was raised in that line. We've spoken to someone who, he was adopted, but he was adopted from that line. So he was, he, yeah, he found out like after the fact that not only was he adopted, but he was adopted from a mm. line of people who were related to Robert Hitchens. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting, the whole that Hitchens was shocked to hear that there was an iceberg and that he turned the wheel the wrong way. Like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And they're like, no, 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 hard to port, port. And he's like, ah, shit, fuck. But actually, that was not the case. It was and I, I say that, there's, there's a lot of things I'll criticize and there's a lot of things I'll say bullshit. But Hitchens had such a long career and the the changing of because it, it was true it was true that in the past to change the direction of a ship you actually turned the the wheel in a counterintuitive direction but yeah, actually yeah. by the time titanic was a thing that hadn't changed yet the wheel was still being turned in or, or sorry it had changed it had changed and it had been a thing for quite a while so to turn it that way you, you turned it that way to turn it the other way you turned it the other way but before that, you actually, to go left, you turned it right. To it right, it went it. back to tiller commands, where it was a, a stick that controlled the boat. So to turn the ship to the right, you turn the stick to the left, because that would push the rudder out, which is there, to the right, which would turn the ship that way, and you vice versa, which is where that, that whole tiller commands comes from. I, I think the Titanic did have tiller commands. I think it was the case of hard to starboard, was turn the ship to the left, but it was still turning the wheel to in that direction as well. They just still enunciated it as hard to starboard, turn the ship to the left, hard to port is turn the ship to the right, which is again confusing. I think that's where that account came from, but I don't think there was any, you know, not authenticity. I know I say it was a cash grab that book, 
but I feel like it was a cash grab. That's the same with that Channel 4 documentary about the coal fire. It's just another one of those things that was like... When when you say, it, you, don't, you don't want to say it was a cash grab, what book are you referring to? Oh, I can't remember who wrote it. I feel like it was written by an ancestor. It might have been... Right, a, a recent one within the yeah, last... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, no, that's fine. That's... No, that's fine. I, I thought... Because Presley had mentioned Lightoller's wife. I thought he was referencing Lightoller's book. I was like, oh. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's fine, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. It's it's dead in the water, oh, literally. Just, just like, you know, fifth, nearly 1,500 other people dead in the water. Um, we can leave it there. Um, but, yeah, Presley. Presley, Presley. You know, <laughs> just taking that contrary point of view but i appreciate that i do and do you know the even what he did on titanic it for me it's nothing that i've taken away from his account and from what what we know happened like the things that we do know happened not like the minutia but just the the very standard we know this happened um i don't hold that against him and actually the fact that he saved that he loaded any lifeboat with humans in it from Titanic. He is a hero. Anyone that puts someone in a lifeboat or even Joffin, who threw deck chairs off the ship. And in my most recent drawing, there's someone holding a deck chair. Whether they did or not, I don't know. But in my drawing, they are. And that was a little nod to Joffin that, yes, he did probably help people. Even if they died, they were able to stay afloat. Um which in their heads before hypothermia kicked in, there was a chance. But there would be less of a chance if there weren't so many deck chairs in the war. Um, so, you know, heroes like a, a spectrum. You know, did you throw deck chairs in the war or did you help people onto lifeboats? Um, and, and yeah, I think Lightoller before Titanic, after Titanic, and even on Titanic, he was a hero in some respects, but... This whole, you know, company man phrase, I, I don't even know who coined that. I don't know who was the first person to re refer to him as a company man. I mean, um, I definitely called him that along, like, I think it was first or second, <laughs> second episode back in the day. Like, he definitely was a company man. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even, to, you know, when I've been looking up today on, like, like old, very old uh, Encyclopedia Titanica forms, you know, people are referring to him as a company man because that that's not a new term. You know, the term company man has been used for like for a long time. I, I, yeah, 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 one hundred percent. I'm just chiming in. He definitely was a company man. 100%. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think he was. But someone could be a company man but still be a hero. Um, which I think that's where it gets complicated because someone. We're not finished yet, but someone could come away from this and say, do you know what? I learned stuff about Lightoller and I, I now think he was a company man. I now think that he was acting on the best interests of the White Star Line and any future shipping company that he was hired by, but I still think he was a hero. And that's fine. And I, I, my intention from this, and I don't think anyone's intention, is to make him not a hero or to take away any of the good stuff, he, good stuff he did, you know, beforehand or after. 
but it's just to help illustrate how his account helped shape what we understand about Titanic to a point, you know, till it was discovered in 1985. Um, and even beyond, really. Um, Sebastian. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, wh- what are your thoughts? I'm my German side, yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, well, I'm actually just brushing up on uh, what I know about Lightsaber because uh, um, I think like with, with, with what has been mentioned so far, it's like I've also got like this pretty box standard image of him from the movies and uh, especially the 97 one, he's like, you know, the guy with the gun. And even as I can see here from what I can read, he... He also had a like an allegedly thing where he was ordering men out of a boat, and I think he's also known for a few stories about dragging teenagers out of a boat or something. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a different thing. It's a difficult thing, like defining, like you said, what a, what a hero really is. Because I came, I think I came into this with like a very biased view. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be on the team cancel, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I know that's it's a little more uh, sort of a little more colored picture to it. It's it's more yeah, what's that? It's diverse, I guess. Um, nuance, but nuance, nuance. Yes, there's more nuances to the picture. Yeah. So so yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult thing because I think I viewed him a bit uh, as uh, a company man, but mostly by. Um, the fact that the way he described the breaking, because I know, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, you're fighting for your life. What, what, how much did you actually see? And then, the, you know, some people might have, have thought he was defending the whole one piece sinking theory thing to sort of uh, support the White Star Lines uh, uh, reputation, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what One thing you said there, which is, I, I don't think anyone's mentioned it like as directly as that, but that I really picked up on there was the, that he dragged kind of like teenage boys or young boys out of the boats. Um, <laughs> and it's not of the, the visceral kind of dragging people out of boats, but when I was reading the testimony today, um, you know, there were a couple of points that Senator Smith kind of went hard on him, but he didn't keep on it. Um, he kind of went hard on him let Lightoller explain his way out of it very flatly and moved on. Um, but then is there any good out of keeping on it? Not really, because it doesn't bring anyone back. But Senator Smith said something to the effect of were there any families that protested to having just the women taken on board? Mm-hmm. And Lightoller said, not to my recollection. And Senator Smith then was like, you're telling me that there wasn't a single family that said, please take my boys on board. And then Light- with that loaded question, very loaded question, Lightoller said, a couple. And they moved on, they moved on. The next question was about like the fucking lights in the dining salon, like it wasn't, but it was like so unrelated to that. It was like so fucking unrelated it was like pointless like he might as well have asked about the menu for like the the, on april 11th for breakfast like so it's like why are you asking you know did families protest and beg for their teenage sons to be put on board you you know because one second like i was like nope 
Mm-mm, no. And then Senator Smith's like, come on. Come on. And Lentil's like, well, a single one. Uh-uh. He's like, ah, a couple, but it, you know, what, what's a couple of <laughs> Don't worry about angry? it. Yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. It's fine. Like, what, what's a couple of fucking angry families, you know, amongst nearly 1,500 dead people? Like, come on, it's fine. Like, they're, they're dead. Like, you know, I've got a job. You've got a job. We're all happy. Like, and reading that, I was so angry because, but, but the apartment's like, well, it doesn't change anything. And he would never have been prosecuted for anything because the whole idea was the the point of the inquiry. It's not a criminal criminal proceeding. It's not to point blame. It's not to find who can we prosecute. It's just to find out what happened, how did people's relatives die, and that's it. That's it's not to find out blame or it's not to prosecute. It's just it's an inquiry. So it's just to inquire about what happened, how did people die. Um, but just for him to say, no families, like, so he was taking on girls and women. And at that base question, if Senator Smith hadn't pressed him on it, he'd been like, yep, I was, I was taking on girls and women and all the men were like, peachy keen, we're fine, this is good. Uh, but then Senator was like, really, really? And so, like, Flo was like, oh, actually, I had a couple of families begged me to take on boys young boys and i said no so that even just that very that early on account i was like oh you're full of shit because if someone harder than smith had really pressed if if it had been a criminal proceeding and someone had really pushed him on that he'd been like actually every for for every girl i took on i had three to five boys or men begging me not to kill them if he'd really pushed on that, that might have been the response, but it wasn't because Smith, oh. ba- ba- Smith barely knew what a ship was. Couldn't either. It's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned about the inquiries. Just re- I've just rem- remembered something from when I did my dissertation. I think this is from Lightoller's book, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but one of the few things I will credit him for um, in that idea of letting families know about how their loved ones perished um, one of the good things he did do is that obviously the rumours around officers committing suicide, that, that's that been around since pretty day one. I think it was in some of the newspapers. Um, he actually went out of his way to speak to, I think in particular Murdoch's wife or family, he went out of his way to say, no, this is not how your husband um, went. Um, he was honourable. He did his job for the last. Um, so I will give him, he might have been lying. He might have just been saying, you know, to, to kind of comfort a widow but um, it's, it's, it's something I will give him credit for to a certain degree. Uh, again, we could go into the whole guilty conscience thing, I don't know, but um, it's just, yeah, you just reminded me there about how loved ones, wanting to know how loved ones perish, even though he wasn't there, he didn't see Murdoch. He was at the other end of the ship. Who knows? Um, but yeah, you just remind me of that, of that. That's super convenient that you brought that up because it's my first note. And it's my turn now, motherfuckers. It's my <laughs> turn to blast Lightoller for the lying, heroic bitch that he is. Cancel, let's go. Honestly. <laughs> so, so yeah, Lightoller wrote a letter to Ava Murdoch, who was the wife of William Murdoch, 
William McMaster Murdoch um, of Dalbiti Heritage, Scotland. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I found this and I l- looked out to just make sure it was like not a lie. Um, it's, it's a real thing. I found this on, I found all of my stuff um, on Encyclopedia Titanica. It's a great website. It's been going oh, for 1990. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, where, where else are you going to find it? Come on. W- Wikipedia is a bit sketchy. And Wikipedia probably has been made by someone that's taken all the information from Encyclopedia Titanica. Um, Encyclopedia Titanica has been going on from 1996. So a year before the James Cameron film came out. Maybe it was, you know, it was a combination of the advent of the internet and also the upcoming Cameron film that kind of inspired it to become a thing. But yeah, the, the website has been going since then. And the particular article that I was looking at was last updated in like early July or late June of this year, but definitely this year. Like, so it was last accessed and updated this year. So, you know, just saying. But yeah, so Callum, the fact you mentioned that is fascinating. So, um, Lightoller, sorry, I copied and pasted the direct quote, but I didn't change it because I, I agree. I agree with it. I think that Lightoller lied in the letter he wrote to Ava Murdoch, the widow of the first officer of Titanic, William Murdoch. This is the quote from the letter. Having got my boat down off the top of the house and there being no time to open it, I left it and ran across to the starboard side, still on top of the quarters. I was then practically looking down on your husband and his men. He was working hard, personally assisting, overhauling the forward boat's fall. At this moment, the ship dived and we were all in the water. But he said in his testimony at the British inquiry that from the top of the officer's quarters, he didn't see the other side of the ship. So you could read this Uh and you, you could say he's lying or you could say he's just trying to comfort the widow of an officer who died. He's just trying to say that he was he was working till the end. But but that I think is quite damning. And th- that was the first thing today, because um, I literally I'm shameless. I don't care. I put into Google was Charles Lightoller a liar, and the first result was this. Can I just add to that? <laughs> I get where you're coming from. However, he is quoted to saying there, as you've read, that he could see Murdoch working on the falls. It wouldn't have been known until a lot later that officers had brought in the falls to hook up collapsible A. So how would he have quoted that if he didn't see it for himself do you know what i mean like as far as i'm aware they didn't do that for collapsible b so why would he have assumed that they did it to collapsible a if he hadn't have seen them preparing <clears throat> preparing those davits which we can see from the wreck was done 
unless he'd when, seen it. When when did he say that he saw Murdoch for Crown of Falls? Because bear in mind, this quote, he's saying that he was looking down at Murdoch the moment that water washed up the boat deck. Oh, sorry, I thought I thought you said in the quote that he said he saw him something to do with him working the falls, bringing in the. Yeah. Um, so it said, um, so light dollar, having got my boat down off the top of the house, so by this he means the officer's course, and there being no time to open it, so to rip the canvas sheet off the top of it, um, I left it and ran across to the starboard side, still on top of the quarters. I was then practically looking down on your husband and his men. He was working hard, personally assisting, overhauling the forward boat's fall. There we go, moment, overhauling the forward boat's fall. Is that not... But, but at this moment, the ship dived and we were all in the water. So he's talking about the, the second that the ship went down. Right, like, yeah, yeah, the very so same. But from that, I'm I'm hearing him say that he saw, because before that he saw them working the the forward boat falls. So how would he have known that they were doing that, which they were, because we can see from the wreck that they were, if he hadn't seen them doing that just before they got washed overboard? Do you see what I mean? I'm sort of like, he must have got that from somewhere that they were that working was... on that that forward boat. That was one thing that I noticed during the testimony is he never really said anything that he wasn't sure of. Like if it happened on the starboard side, he said, I don't know. I wasn't on that side. I was on the port side. Every time he would say that. So I don't think he's going to say something that he didn't see because usually he was always. <laughs> what, Eric? Well. It's funny you say that. Very you're, interesting. You're talking to the president of Cancel Club here. Oh my goodness. Nathan, Nathan, I love you, but Shit's Lytler, about to go down. <laughs> Lightoller said in his testimony at the British inquiry that I've sent this, these are notes I've typed to myself. Lightoller said in his testimony at the British inquiry that from the top of the officer's quarters, he didn't see the other side of the ship. He used an expression just now that as far as he knew, it was the last boat to leave the ship, meaning his boat that he thingied. Um, but had he been able to observe during all this time what was happening to the boats on the starboard side? And his quote is, no, no, no sign of the starboard side. You cannot see across. See, but then you can always so, say that, So in, in the layer, so... I, so the, the letter is not, I don't see that as damning. I see the letter as his willingness to be a bit liberal with the truth, even if it's just to placate the widow of an officer. So he said, I, I ran across the roof of the officer's quarters. I looked down on your husband and your husband was like working the whole time. And then the water came in and shit. But He's been very clear in his testimony, and we'll get to that, 
that when he jumped into the water head first, and he said he turned head first and jumped into the water, he was on his side, not Murdoch's side. So the letter's not even... I don't... I, I, he could write anything in the letter. He could write in the letter that Murdoch was, like, shaking the hand of all the men who's... He could write that Murdoch was doing the Macarena. That's, like, a second level of fabrication. Like... The letter to a widow, I would take less seriously than a, an in-person testimony and inquiry, if that makes sense. So if you've got a senator saying to you, Lightoller, where was Murdoch? As opposed to three months later, you're writing a wee nice letter to that Ava Murdoch. I would take more credence from the testimony than I would from the letter, if that makes sense. But but the first thing I came across was this letter that I'd never heard of before. And I just thought it illustrated the fact that he's almost, he's already stating, or he's still stating that he was everywhere all at once. He was like, I was on my side of the ship doing my job and I turned into the water and I dove head first on my side. But at the same time, I was on Murdoch's side watching him from an aerial view and he was doing his job, and then the water came onto the deck. So I feel like so, at uh, the point where the water came on the deck, he then could have gone back to his side and dived in. But I feel like the fact that he has that that small he doesn't state detail. that. That's that's the thing. He, yeah, yeah. He's very clear, but he doesn't say. I then ran back to my side and jumped in. Yeah, but I mean that's just extra words i feel like the fact that he states that section where he said i saw them working on the forward falls i feel like he must have seen that and it's possible i mean i don't know about you guys but the amount of times i've been telling a story and then told it again and like details have changed because you know how you remember things and the <laughs> maybe, details maybe you go into exactly and i feel like the fact that he said about those forward falls because that wasn't made a big thing so how would he have known that they were cranking that in and getting ready to set up that boat unless he had seen that, which to me says that his account must be true on, on that section and that he was mistaken at the, the, the inquiry. Before you all reply. <laughs> I love this. But Callum has to leave soon um, due to reasons. But love you, Callum. And you've, you've been to a role. This is a, this is a, in fact, it's not, it's not a new record. Dean made like, I don't know how many, but Dean's been like the constant and me. Like, I, I think I said in the last one that like Dean will take over. Dean will like, I don't know, there'll be some kind of like overthrowing of the throne and Dean will be the new um, main host. But, um, but yeah, Callum, <clears throat> if you have to disappear <laughs> at some point soon, that's fine. But right now, let's all take a moment to say goodbye to Callum and wish him well. Bye, Callum. Bye. Bye. I'll, I'll, I'll stay for like another couple of minutes because this is really getting juicy now. But um, <laughs> I will probably disappear into the void at some point. Let's yeah. yeah, face it, he's leaving early to watch Love Island. No, he's like, he's like this is a debate now. Like, Aaron and Louis are fucking debating now. I'm like, Louis, I'm going to destroy you. But <laughs> the, two cow- no. the two co-founders going at it. <laughs> Yeah, this is the, the... But just, you said there, Louis, um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to say it in too many words. I'm sorry, but I said to Nathan earlier, the whole problem with the 
fucking Senate and inquiry notes. <laughs> that there's too many words. There's too many. Like, they they're trying really to say. Long, yeah. it, like, so I'm sorry, but if Lytoller, it wouldn't have taken him much longer to say, yes, Senator Smith, I, I went over to the, um, the, the starboard side of the ship and I, um, <laughs> I, saw, I saw Murdoch and he was loading the, the lifeboats. And I then, you know, ran, ran back over to my side of the ship, just as just as the water, just as the water washed over the deck, and I jumped into the water. And it, it wouldn't have taken him that much longer. It would have taken like three seconds to say, I went back over to my side of the ship. He never once mentioned, because in multiple, we won't get into now, because we're talking about light holler, but when it comes to survivors that were near the front of the ship during the sinking, they're asked, did, basically, did you see an officer shoot himself? Did you see an officer shoot other people? And they all say no. Or some of them say, maybe, but I, I don't know who. Because, like, you know, passengers wouldn't know officers. Why would they know? Like, mm. that wouldn't make sense. But the fact that Lytler never says, I saw Murdoch right at the very end you know i was doing my job but i also saw him doing his job right to the very end um and i saw that he went to the water he swam and then he drowned you know he doesn't say i saw murdoch shoot himself i saw murdoch not shoot himself he, he's very lightoller kind of like wants his cake and he wants to eat it too <laughs> he wants to like say i did all this amazing stuff and i think it's true i think that him being held against two vents is true i think he was and he was propelled up from explosions but i'll, I'll get on to that i don't think what happened after that is not untrue but i think was changed slightly um but you can't possibly do everything you did go through everything you did but also see murdoch right till the end you can't have it both ways and he was not he was asked at the um British inquiry, he was asked, did he see Murdoch's final moments? And Lytoller said no. So, so that yes, he... So, so, again, Louis could be right. I'm not saying Louis wrong. Like, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know. Lytoller might have been doing his thing, you know, getting the overturned um, collapse off the roof of the officer's quarters, and then been like, I'm going to see how William's doing. Let's go check him out <laughs> and ran across and looked down at William and saw that William had things. Bear in mind, there was a port list. So William would have actually been in the water before him. So he might have seen the wave before it got to the starboard side. Hard to port, hard to port. No, Light, no, no. Light Hollow was on the port side, which entered the water first, would have gone to the starboard side and seen. Oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if he's run up, so he's run upwards, like up, almost uphill. Yeah. So so yeah, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known that the water was on his side. So he would have seen that wave potentially if he's watching Murdoch. And then he's been like, oh shit, fuck, shit serious. I should go back to my <laughs> side. Yeah, actually, yeah. Although, yeah. didn't collapsible B land upside down in the water? I believe that was recent impression. Yeah. So he would have seen it in the water gone, ah, oh, fuck, that's gone. Right, <laughs> go to this side. Water comes like that. Ah, oh, fuck, that's gone. Let me go back to... Ah, oh, 
Fuck. So, so Lytoller's lifeboat, he has said, like personally, like he said, his lifeboat landed, landed upside down the, on the, the deck and they, they were never able to get it righted. You know, his exact words. Uh, Smith said to him, did you write the boat? And Lytoller said, no, we never write the boat. And I hate Smith. Senator Smith's stupid. He's so stupid. I'm going to get into this. Oh, my God. Callum, 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 you'll be gone. But, yeah, Smith is, he's got no common sense. Even as, like, a judge or a senator, senator, um, he's got no common sense. Because even when they're in the water, Smith says, and did, did you write the boat in the water? How the fuck? How the fuck? Are you meant to have enough pressure to stand and like push a boat, but your feet, your <laughs> feet, they're not on the ground. So how, <laughs> how you can't push a boat if you've got no like bottom pressure. Like you can't push, can you imagine, can you imagine being in outer space with no gravity? <laughs> Oh, gravity. And you've got a basketball. Like, it's like Space Jam. You've got Bugs Bunny here, and you've got Elmer Fudd there, and you've got a basketball, right? Okay, Callum, I love you. Callum's going to go soon. But, yeah, we said goodbye to you, but I love you. But yeah. Getting on form as well. Yeah, we're getting into Space Jam territory. You're fine. But yeah, you've got a basketball, right? You've got a basketball, and you're in outer space. There's nothing to push your feet against. You're kind of floating. You're just suspended. There's no pressure on any of your limbs. But you've got a basketball, and you're meant to make that basketball go into a hoop that's, like, up there. How? How? But, oh, oh, I've got answers. Right. (laughs) Presley. I think we can conclude that, yes, he was a liar. Can you be a liar and a hero? Did he not redeem himself at Dunkirk? Like, obviously, you're right. He's lying in this stuff. He's got some... Oh, no. No, sorry, sorry. Right now, now, I'm slitting Senator Smith. Senator Smith, yeah, was the one that was like, did you try and overturn the boat? No, because how? How can you overturn a lifeboat that's in the water? You can't. That's that's impossible. Like, you know... I mean, Jack and Rose almost did it with a piece of wood. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but I've I've not, I've not got many points left, but to be fair, this was the one. Oh wait, no, this wasn't the one. This wasn't the one. My next one is for David. David is one of our co-hosts who's not here tonight or today or tomorrow or whenever you watch this, but he's not here. But this one, I just thought was, it showed the the fact that Smith didn't know what you're talking about. And I'm not expecting the person residing over this inquiry to have an intricate knowledge or like a really deep knowledge of ships and stuff. But this is wild. So, Senator Smith. So they're talking about the man who, actually, you know what? I'll go back slightly, slightly. Um, 
So they're talking about when they're going to Belfast, going to Belfast, Belfast Lock, and someone came on board from the British Board of Trade and they were looking at the ship, making sure everything was like kosher, making sure everything was okay. Um, and basically, um, Lytoller said about this man who came on. Um, speaking of Captain Clark, we call him a nuisance because he is so strict. And I think that's interesting. And I'm not saying that that made them relax with things, but the fact that this man who was coming on and was just, look, you know, Titanic happened and it happened the way it did. But this man coming on just to do his job and be like, yep, you've got so many lifeboats. You've actually, you've got more than is required because you're so big. That's fine. Um, we've not extended the regulation because the ship is so new. This ship is, we've never had a ship this big, you know. Um, but Lightoller <laughs> says, they, they called him a nuisance. I think that that's interesting. That shows that the officers almost had this idea that they knew better than these representatives of the Board of Trade. And earlier in the inquiry notes, it was expressed that these people of the Board of Trade could only get this job if they'd been the captain of a ship. So this person that's coming on and looking at, you know, do you have you know, he'd get them to pull out all their life preservers. You know, do you have them in every room? Um, do the tillers, the rudders on all the lifeboats work? Um, do you have the right provisions on the lifeboats? Which they didn't. They didn't have, they had lanterns on some of them, but they didn't have oil on any of them. So the, all the lifeboats could have had lit in lanterns, but they didn't even have all have lanterns, let alone oil. Um so this poor Captain Clark person came on to do his job and Lytoller saw him as a nuisance, which is, you know, that's that's a thing. Um, but my whole thing that when I've said that, you know, Senator Smith didn't know anything about ships, he literally said, when Captain Clark inspected your ship, where would he find these life preservers? So talk about life belts. So light dollar says, life belts in every room, in every compartment, where, as we say, there was habitation where a man could live. Senator Smith, would that include steerage? Light dollar, yes, undoubtedly. And the cruise quarters, Senator Smith, in the steerage, do they have rooms? Light dollar, yes, sir. So this guy didn't even know that in steerage, third class, they had rooms. Although I'm going to jump in on that because that was quite a new thing in the grand scheme of, of transatlantic shipping. Steerage, as it was traditionally called, would, would have been open rooms with cots or with, with yeah. hammocks or, or convertible spaces that could have been used to house people or could have been used to house horses or cattle. So maybe... Smith wasn't quite so off piste with that comment because steerage could have been any number of things. Like the fact that you had your own private room, even if you were sharing it with anywhere from three to nine other people, that was, that's quite a big deal for third class. 
on yeah, they, any they ship. Yeah, they say that third class in Titanic was like second class on another ship. Yeah. So it, it was quite luxurious <laughs> for that sort of demographic. So I don't know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna query your question about the rooms. <laughs> I am also <laughs> you're I am Spartacus. <laughs> this is the kind of fight back I want. Thank you. Hashtag content. But um Aaron's got an answer. But <laughs> but this thing, I thought this was really fascinating, and I don't think any of you will have an answer for this, apart from David. David. You know, he was the one I mentioned. He inspired this question. When I saw this, I was like, David. But so, Senator Smith, he says to Lightoller, I wish you would describe a life belt. Lightoller says, It consists of a series of pieces of cork. Allow me to show you my by illustration. A hole is cut in there for the head to go through, and this falls over front and back, and there are tapes from the back then tied around the front. It's a new idea and very effective because no one can make a mistake in putting it on. Senator Smith, is there cork on both sides? On both sides. Are the arms free? Free, absolutely. And when in the water does this adhere or extend. It's tied to the body. It's tied to the body. Yes, sir. Have you ever had one of these on? Says Senator Smith. Senator Smith says, have you ever had a life belt on? Light all Yes, sir. Have you ever been into the sea with, with one of them? Yes, sir. Where? From the Titanic. In this recent collision? Yes, sir. So in the two most prominent depictions of light that we've seen, in 1997 and the 1958 depiction, and I remember, Neither of those, he's bringing a lifebelt, but every single person behind him on the upside in lifeboat, they're all wearing a lifebelt. And I was I was amazed at that. I because I just I'd taken it as not gospel, but just standard that he I guess he wasn't wearing a lifebelt. I guess officers didn't wear them. I guess he was too busy to put one on. And you know, he was lucky that he was sucked down by two vents and was propelled upwards by hot air and but the whole time he wasn't but he was he was he he said he was wearing a life belt and in the two most prominent depictions of him in film form he's not wearing them and people might think that's what's the relevance of that that's means nothing but actually it kind of you know uh, david's dissertation that he wrote um about Lightoller, and it was about the representation of, you know, different films and history, and the is it is it true or not? It it almost paints him as this superhuman figure that all these people quivering and huggling together, wearing life belts on this upside down lifeboat. They're all wearing life preservers, and they're terrified. And he's he's not wearing one. 
he's just wearing his turtleneck, which iconic. We love that. And it's it's like it's a little thing, but it just shows we've ignored the reality of testimony, even in something as simple as Lytle or was wearing a life belt the, the whole time. But we've we've taken that away, we've stripped that away, and we've just said, you know what? He was wearing a, a turtleneck, and that's that's it. Um, and he was able to make it the whole time. He survived, and and that that's it. And I I thought that was fascinating. I didn't know, I had no idea that he was bringing a a life belt this this whole time. That's the first time I've ever heard of him wearing a life belt. I didn't know that. I always had this image of him, and and it's weird because he still beat the odds by being in the water for so long and then getting onto collapsible B. They didn't need to show him further superhuman like by not having a life vest either, but. You know, I don't think if they'd shown him wearing a life vest, you would have thought, oh, he's a pussy. You'd have thought, he's got a life vest on. They've all got life vest on. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's really yeah. yeah it's, it's weird that that, that was a, a stylistic choice. And I, I guess, what in my notes, I wrote something about Cheeky. Um, yeah, I wrote, don't want to hide that turtleneck now, do we? Because um, it was very, that's the thing that they've all remembered. Um, the only one that doesn't show him wearing a turtleneck is the 2012 ITV series. He's wearing just a, a normal kind of waistcoat and a shirt. There's, he's wearing no jumper. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, he came out in his pajamas, and then when he realised he was needed to command lifeboats he quickly threw something on and he threw a turtleneck jumper on. I think but, we need to cancel that 2012 uh, mini yeah. we, <laughs> we need to We need to have a, a, a podcast episode based on that and how god-awful it was. If we've not done that already, Yeah, we need to do that more. We need to, you know... Lightfall was cancelled, but the 2012 series is cancelled even more it was bad it was really bad one of the next topics uh, of yours uh, what's your favorite depiction of the titanic oh yeah well that, yeah that's, that's yeah one of our upcoming episodes is our yeah our best our most favorite depiction of the sinking um and that could be for different reasons even if there's inaccuracies we could enjoy it for the drama we can enjoy it for you know the the plot you know, whatever. Um, but my favourite depiction is the uh, drawings of Titanic Artist. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Louis. Well, but before we um, speak about me, we need to say goodbye to Chandler. So yes, I'm so sorry about to run. I uh, have a very early morning, so I'll see you all in the not-so-distant future. Hopefully. Yes. Bye, Chandler. Bye. Bye, Chandler. Left me waiting so long and he's just Gone again. <laughs> and, you just set aside your first for that sexy voice. <laughs> and that man's voice is a dream. I know. I know. Like, I'm, I'm I, like, I like how the first impression we got of him was like reading uh, Aaron's erotic fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Aaron's erotic fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> so. My, my my next note, not to be too <laughs> salacious. 
Sorry, I derailed it completely. Now. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. So my next note starts. Sure, Jan. Senator Smith, <laughs> was the vessel broken in two in any manner or intact? Lightoller, absolutely intact. Senator Smith, on the decks. Mr. Lightoller, intact, sir. I'm very confident. I'll get to why he shouldn't have been so confident in a minute. Because she split in two. Yes. Sorry, I'll wait. Literally, yes. Spoiler to Titanic Spun 2. Um, I tell you at the start of the fucking movie. <laughs> again, this this was another note I took because I thought it shows Senator Smith's... He's not stupid. He's clearly a smart man if he's a senator. But... <laughs> um, I don't know. Donald Trump is president. Well, wait till you hear this. So, Lightoller, when I asked him, Smith, Captain Smith. Shall I put the women and children in the boats? He replied, yes, and lowered away. Those were the last orders he gave. Senator Smith, where was he at that time? Lightoller, about abreast of the number six lifeboat. Senator Smith, how long was that before the ship sunk? Lightoller, Approximately somewhere about a quarter to one, I'd say. I don't know what time, sir. Senator Smith. Was it before the impact? Lightoller. Sir? Senator Smith. After the collision? Lightoller. Yes, sir. And I've literally wrote, no shit, Sherlock. Captain Smith wasn't exactly loading women and children away in the boats before the collision. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I can't believe he said that. I didn't know that. Like, why the fuck would the sentry be like, why was he... What? Like, and this, this was... I was going page <laughs> by page. Why the fuck would the sentry be like, and this was before the collision? Like, yes. Yes, and just, you know, something else I've wrote. Um, it makes me think of the inquiry a couple of years ago in America with senators grilling Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook and algorithm and all this. <laughs> and they, lit- they literally had no idea of anything they were asking about, which meant any answers Mark Zuckerberg mm. gave were totally meaningless. Like, yeah, like that questions like uh you know if if i turn off my phone is it still on facebook or, is, or something like that? It's just like okay well couldn't you just have like gone down with a commission or something and then you know they explain the basics to you and then you go in and do the questionnaire because you know it it just sort of takes away the seriousness of the moment i i, I personally i think if you don't know jack shit about what you're going in to ask about because like you know the the picture you've you've painted of the senators pretty much of a guy who's got zero maritime experience doesn't know anything yeah aaron aaron for that comparison i've 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 got to give you a clap for that that was that's it's not something i thought of but it's clever it's just so true when you think of that 
that inquiry with Mark Zuckerberg that they were clueless and you can make a direct comparison with the Titanic inquiry that they were just so clueless. They had no idea what they were talking about. They were just asking questions that they thought were boat related. Like one of the, um, I skipped past it. It was um, because I thought it was like unimportant, but I mean, it kind of is like, um, yeah. So Lightoller says, so he's talking about when they were in Belfast, they did lifeboat, um, not drills, because obviously there were no passengers at that time, but they were testing the davits and the boats. <laughs> and he's talking about how low they lowered them. So, the, you know, the, if, as long as it can go down, they don't have to go right down to the water. Like, that's fine. As long as it's loading, you don't have to complete it. But Lightoller says, you know, we went to sea deck, the third deck down. Now, sea deck is still part of the white part of the hull, the substructure. It's so, by the well deck, isn't it? It's like level with the well deck. Yeah. So you've not got to the black part of the hull yet. And so, so yeah, Lightoller says, you know, we lowered the boats to sea deck, the third deck down. Smith says, the middle of the ship, Lightoller says, no. <laughs> so it's like, no. Like, no, it's not in the middle of the ship. It's not in the middle of the fucking ship. Like, why would you think it was? Like, and the whole time, bear in mind, the whole time they're talking about this, because they reference it, they've got uh, builder's models. The builder's model is a half model of the ship, so it's only the side you're looking at, so it would be the starboard side. You, you can see the whole starboard side of the ship, and that was there in the room the whole time that they're talking. So they can point, you know, there's a point where Lightoller says, you know, part of the third funnel was visible when I was in the water, and, or, he, you know, he talks about different things and they reference this model. So they're clearly, there's someone independent of Senator Smith and Lightoller who's pointing at it because um, they reference him. Um, but still, still, you know, something as simple as Sea Deck, Smith's like halfway down the ship. Uh uh, wrong, invalid. Girl, you ain't known shit. Like, you don't know. Like, that's just bad. But all that aside, you know, all that aside, um, what I will end on is with the American inquiry, I've started with it. Sure, Jan. Senator Smith, was the vessel broken in two in any manner or intact? Lightoller, absolutely intact. Smith, on the decks, Lightoller. Intact, sir. I mean, that's that's bad. That's not good, considering we know that one, he was fighting against two vents. He was underwater for a long time, and then he got on top of an upside-in lifeboat. But yeah, he, you know, he knows. He knows. Mm. It gets worse. So at the British Wreck Commission, this is when it gets more. You know, he's like, oh, it, didn't, it didn't break, it didn't break. You know, I'm confident it didn't break. It gets worse. So Lord Mersey 
So we're not talking about Senator Smith anymore. Lord Mersey of the British Rec Commission said to him, so they were talking about the third funnel and where it was in the water, whatever. Lord Mersey says, it seems to me the ship would be almost perpendicular. Lightoller said, she did eventually attain the absolutely perpendicular. Now, this is where it gets really bad, because when you think about a criminal or any kind of court, whatever, you know, you wouldn't want the judge to say, do you know what? I don't know how you could murder so-and-so, because you were at work, you were busy, or, you know, yeah, you were walking the dog, you, you had things to do. How, how did you murder them? Like, you couldn't have done it. So when, when you hear this, when you think that more than one person died, like nearly 1,500 people fucking died, and Lord Mersey says, did you continue watching the afterpart sufficiently to be able to tell us whether the afterpart settled on the water at all? So whether the afterpart fell down. Light taller. It did not settle on the water. Lord Mersey. You're confident it did not? Lightoller. Perfectly certain. Lord Mersey. I have heard it said over and over again that it settled on the water. And that you say is not true. Lightoller. That is not true, my lord. I was watching her keenly the whole time. Lord Mersey. I did have a difficulty in realizing how it could possibly be that the after part of the ship righted itself for a moment. Now, a judge should not express their own opinion. So for a judge to be saying, I personally didn't understand how I've had all these people, multiple people tell me the ship broke, the ship broke, the stern did this, that's a thing. A judge should be like impartial and just listening to all the accounts and kind of like come to some kind of like middle ground and like put their verdict out. But in the middle of this, the judge, Lord Mersey, is like, you know, I, I didn't understand how it broke. And I mean, all these people are saying it broke, but I personally, as someone that doesn't know shit about ships, I didn't understand how it broke. And I think that's, that's really damning. Personally. I think, yeah, definitely it is. And it's, you know, let's face it, from the moment that the bridge went under, Titanic had, what, six, seven minutes, I think, until it went down. You know, Lytle is underwater for, let's say, a minute and a half by the vent. Then he's pushed up. So that takes you to, what, five minutes, four and a half, five minutes left of the ship there. You know, the lights go out at one point, so you've got to get used to that. Not only that, he's in the water. I can't imagine he's just sat in the water going, oh, yeah, cool, that's, <laughs> that's going down. You know, he's trying to find capsule B or, or wherever he can get to. So he's got to swim there. You know, he, he said that he swam towards the crow's nest as well. That takes up a couple of a couple of more minutes. That gives, what, maybe two minutes that you would have seen the ship going down. So it's entirely possible that, you know, through all this time, he's going through this, he's swimming here, he gets onto B, looks back at the ship, the ship's already split, 
and he's seeing the ship from a point where it's already starting to come back up. So from what he's seen, he's seen the ship go like that and down. But really, it's gone up, it's gone down, it's gone up again. He's caught it again while it's going up and then go down. And I think that's where he gets his confidence from. It didn't break. But for him to say, I was watching it keenly the whole time, he would have had about two minutes of observation of the ship after being washed off because he's gone under, he's come back up, he's gone towards the crow's nest. He's then decided, no, fuck that. Getting on collapse will be. He's getting on there. There's going to be lots of people going towards that as well. He's going to be dealing with passengers getting on, trying to organise that, stop them from swamping the boat. And then he gets to see the ship. You know, he's got a minute and a half, two minutes max to see what's actually happening. And by that point, it's already split. It's already on the way back up to go down. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's where he gets his certainty. But for him to say that he saw it the whole time, that's it's just not possible. I rest my case. Mike, drop. And like, I, I think it's fine for someone to say that they feel quite confident in something. But I think his testimony, if, you know, say, you know, Arthur, Arthur Putin, he was a first-class driver, Canadian, and but he, he was passenger, you know. And Lytoller was in command of the lifeboat that he went into, which was Lifeboat 6. And I'd mentioned before that Lytoller had this arbitrary kind of, you know, two able seamen per boat. And, and he, even that is arbitrary because it wasn't legislation. That was that Lytoller decided two able seamen per boat. And even when Senator Smith gave him a bit of a, a grilling and said, is that arbitrary? You know, Lytoller was like, no, that was my decision. <laughs> but it is arbitrary. It's like, it doesn't, you know, whatever. But that boat was partly down and a woman shouted up, we've only got one man. Or we've only got one man that can row a boat. And Lytoller was like, fuck, shit. So a passenger heard that and was like, I can do it. And Lytoller said, well, do you know what? If you can do it, jump, jump off the deck onto that davit rope, slide down. And if you do that, fair, you can do it. And he did it. And it was, it was pitching. Um, yeah, because that, that guy was from like a, a yard club or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, had, he had experience. Yeah. So that, yeah. That scene, if you haven't seen it, like to remember, is very well depicted in, in that film. Uh, the show in that mm-hmm. but he said that he heard noises in the darkness that he attributed to the ship breaking apart um, or at least if it, if it didn't break apart he said he felt that it was the boilers breaking loose but he, he said it, it sounded like breaking you know whereas Lytoller who you know this, this man, you know, Arthur Putin was in a, a lifeboat. You know, he was sitting quite comfortably and rowing away. And Lytoller was like in the water. And if, if you think in a swimming pool, you've got all this water like splashing around your ears. You know, you're quite busy trying to stay afloat. You're trying to climb onto a lifeboat. There's people screaming around you. He said in his uh, testimony that the first funnel fell four inches away from the lifeboat. 
and the the two events that dragged him down. So you're telling me that the two events, one funnel, and hundreds of people splashing around, you're able to watch the ship as keenly as he said he did. Personally, you know, I would trust Arthur Peterson more than I would trust Lightoller. And although Arthur Arthur Peterson was like, I I don't know what happened, I, I heard noise, you know, I heard destruction, whether that was the ship breaking or whether that was just, you know, internally the, the ship breaking apart. I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's fascinating. And it, it just the, the, the kind of the hero's narrative that has prevailed for Lytoller to the point where his life jacket isn't even there. He's not even he's not even wearing it. You know, he does he doesn't need cork to stay afloat. It, it's it's just it's not present. Um I was I was shocked by that. I was, I was really, really shocked to see that he said, Yeah, I was I was wearing a life belt. It was there. But it's never shown. We we never see it. Um yeah I was I was really I was really taken aback by that actually. Well, one thing that I've noticed throughout the testimonies is he always tends to bend the truth in a weird way. Because one thing he said about when he was loading the boats, that the men were just standing there quietly. They were perfectly fine. They were splendid. And they he said that in both testimonies, the American and the British one. And there's certain things that I don't think he was bending the truth about because like when we were talking about the list earlier, he mentioned that the ship righted itself because of like a specific example of him stepping into the lifeboat and still being able to reach the boat deck. So I, I think he has the things that he wants to tell the truth about, but there's things where he wants to like stretch it. Yeah. That's that's a really good point, actually. Um there's a, a moment and it almost seems like accidental, but because you know Senator Smith doesn't know shit. But he says, you know, did you ever ask you know the passengers to go from one side to the other? And Lytol says, yes, actually, we asked him to go from one side to the other in order to write the list of the ship. He was like, the ship was sinking one way and we wanted to, it to, you know, raise up. And we, we asked, we shouted for the passengers to move and they did. They moved to the other side of the ship. And even that, I was like, I, I, did, I didn't know that. I, did, I didn't know that Lytol or shouted for passengers to move to you know um I, I had no idea and he he didn't you know senator again senator smith was like did, did that work was that successful did you you know succeed in what you wanted you know smith he never elaborated on that and so lightoller never elaborated on it. um so we'll, we'll never know but i had no idea that lightoller was so and actually, I, I mentioned earlier 
I was <laughs> I was going to defend him in some way, but I don't, I don't know if it, it's maybe not a defense, but it's something. But um, f- famously, uh, we might not know, but Madeline Astor, who was John Jacob Astor's young wife, she's pregnant, very young. Um, it was quite taboo, you know. They were quite, quite the scandal. Quite the scandal. Um, she entered lifeboat four, which was under the lowering command of Lightoller. Um, but she actually accessed it through the A deck promenade. Now, I didn't know till a couple of years ago, but actually, those windows there, there were windows, they weren't open, you know, spaces in the ship, they actually had windows that you could pull down and open or pull up and open I think pull down um but the, there were screens on them so you could on Olympic walk through the ADEC promenade and you had like wind hitting you the whole time but then on Titanic they had changed the ADEC to have these individual windows to protect you and if it was really like sunny and not windy you could open them and that was fine but when Titanic sank, they were shut. So Lightoller said, and the reason he said, you know, life before, I'll load it and we will load it from the A deck. He didn't say it, but I think it was maybe because of her. Because she was pregnant, she was rich. And he basically said that they tied the lifeboat onto the coal wire. So th- You'll see it in some photos. It's very hard to see, but you will see it. Even in Olympic photos, you'll see it. There's a very thin wire that runs the length of a deck, the open promenade. And it's kind of like this far above the windows. There's this very thin line. And it's for coal, because they would raise coal on these individual bags on these cranes that you'll see on the side of the ship. And that's how they brought the coal on. But he said that basically he had women saying, there's a gap, I don't want to jump the gap, I'm not getting to a lifeboat with a gap, fuck off, no. And he was like, okay, screw you. So he lowered the lifeboat to ADEC and he tied the lifeboat onto this coal wire, which eliminated the gap, there's no more gap. So these women, and some men, fair few, were going down to ADEC and were boarding the boat through these little windows just to eliminate the gap so when i when i hear that i'm like he was very smart you know that he was able to think right there's a wire down there and if these women are too scared to step over a a small gap quite a small gap what i'll do is I'll, i'll load it a couple of decks and i'll tie the lifeboat to this wire that's fine that's really clever that's really smart i i probably wouldn't have thought of that he did. I think um, one of Olympic's protocols was to load them from ADEC because it was fully open, um, which is probably why he did that. And then there was a whole point where they forgot that it wasn't open on Titanic, so they had to unlock the windows. And I also think it's a very niche detail, not niche, it's a very strange detail that they actually included in the 2012 miniseries which was very strange for the amount of things that they got awfully wrong they actually included that part which i thought was really interesting um 
Yeah, was it lifeboat? There was one of the lifeboats where they'd lowered it down to a deck to load. They could, I think it might have been on the starboard side, but they couldn't open the window, so they actually brought it back up. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it was the port deck or the starboard deck. Um, I feel like it was in the, the Titanic Honor and Glory um, real-time thing, or maybe one of the Titanic animations ones where they actually mentioned that, which, again, is I think is a really interesting um, point. Yeah, one of the... Um... The, the things I saw in Lightler's testimony was that he said that he'd forgot that there was windows on. So so I, I don't know if there were windows on Olympic. Maybe there were, but he'd forgot. You know, Lightler... Olympic was fully open. So that could be what it was, that he didn't know that there were windows. So he'd lowered this lifeboat down and Lightoller thought it would be quite a quick process, but he lowered it down and the people were shouting up, there's windows, we can't get in. And he was like, fuck. So he had to get someone to go down and open them. And he said in the um, testimony, which again, even that was interesting. He was like, I went to go and work on other boats, but I felt that for all the time it would take to open those windows, there's no point. So he went to go work on other lifeboats, but he was like, yeah, it'll take a few seconds, you know, they'll open the windows, that'll be fine. So he just kind of like hovered around. But the whole time he's like waiting for these windows on A deck to be opened, he could have been um, loading other lifeboats. Um, But that's, that's not criticism. It's just, it's a statement of fact. It's like, this is what he did, and from that you can take what you will, you know. Because really, you know, he could have went to another lifeboat to load it, but he would have had to go back to that lifeboat, which was lifeboat four, because that was one that Madeline asked went on. Um, so it wouldn't have made much difference. So yeah, he might have put on another few people, but actually, from his testimony, um. He states quite explicitly the reason that he put 25 people on his first lifeboat um, wasn't so much because of the hesitance of people. It wasn't because women were like, oh, I'm scared to go on. I don't want to go on. He was like, I was scared to put them on. I didn't want to put them on. Um, And then his second boat had 30 people. His third boat had 40 or 50 people. And his fourth boat had six other people, you know, so there's a clear increase in passengers, um, not based upon his feeling of safety in the lifeboat, but based upon his sense of peril, you know, the the, the ship that he was on, that it was it was sinking, you know, he was hearing, you know, this ship isn't gonna last, Charles. So you might want to up the number, like, you know. Yeah. Um, I need to head off in a sec, um, but I wanted to quickly, I see that Callum sent a message to our Discord, uh, Discord, our Instagram group, get us some <laughs> Discord, <laughs> our Instagram group, um, just with some closing thoughts. So I figured that 
let's just read that out real quick just so we can get his final thoughts um i suppose my final thoughts on lightola are that we expect better of our heroes and the people we hold up as champions of an event what frustrates me most is that people like murdoch are often sidelined and portrayed poorly especially when you take into account that he was responsible for 75 percent of those saved Maybe it's less of why is Lytola considered a hero, but more a question of why isn't Murdoch given the same credit, if not more. Murdoch deserves the status of hero on par, if not more than Lytola. I think that's a really good closing statement from Callum for that. <laughs> um, for me, I'm still very much on the fence of he was following orders. I feel like with time and the pressure of what was going on in the inquiries as well that maybe he didn't necessarily lie but maybe he accentuated the truth in some facts or missed out sections in other um so yeah i really don't know if i can say hero or villain definitively but i think he was an officer that was working for the white star line following orders and then maybe isn't the best at public speaking i don't i don't know i'm I'm still very 50 50 but <laughs> um yeah but I, I do need to head off now um it's been great to talk to you all and hopefully the rest of the episode goes well and i'll speak to you in a bit bye, bye Louis. that's fine Louis. goodbye Love you. Um, <laughs> yeah i think we'll be wrapping up shortly anyway but um it's weird i was like half the cast or something yeah <laughs> Well, we only had four last time, but um, Presley, for someone who defended him um, <laughs> to begin with, what what are your thoughts now, based on some of the things you've heard, um, or yeah, a, a few things you've been enlightened upon? Yeah. Um, well, the the inquiries are interesting. I've never took the time to sit and read them all because they're kind of boring, but. Yeah. Yeah, um, I learned a lot, and I I think it is fair to say that he stretched the truth. He, I think he liked he wanted to appease the White Starling, or he wanted to appease Ava Murdoch, and that's that's there. But also, I think he was a survivor, and like you guys were mentioning, mentioning he follows orders, and he's a company man. I think that that also kind of in that made him a leader, and he accomplished a lot. So that I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe I'm now more on the fence. But I, I don't want to condemn him and be like, oh. I still think that he accomplished a lot. It's, it, yeah, I think because I've said to myself, it doesn't change anything. And that goes both ways. So even if you're someone that thinks he's a hero, even if you think he didn't lie, um... That, that doesn't change anything. But then actually, if you're on the other side of the fence, if you think that he was like a villain or that he did lie for like nefarious purposes, that that still doesn't change anything. So like either way, he still helped save, you know, the whole side of the ship that he was in command of. Um, plus the upside down boat that he that that he was in command of you know literally um whether he was bringing a life belt or not is irrelevant um he still helped those men 
Um, and there was something I thought really interesting. I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but um, he said to Senator Smith, he was like, I think that he was like, although I couldn't see the, the men on the, the boat because it was dark, he was like, I assumed that they were all crew of the ship because they were all so obedient. And I thought that was really fascinating because I've, I've always thought like, yeah, like what if it was like passengers that were like really unruly and they were like, you know, fighting to get like other people on or whatever. Um, but by the time that boat went down, there was like an uprush of crew from the like the very bottom of the ship came up and ran onto the boat deck. So he's yeah, he's probably right actually. A lot of the people on that boat were probably employees of the White Star Line, and that's why he was able to command it so successfully. Um, yeah, which is yeah something I'd never thought of, but he clearly had thought, why didn't I drown? You know, why didn't a lifeboat topple over? And in his head, that was why. He he assumed, you know, like like we, we're all assuming a, a lot of things, um, but he assumed that it was because it was crew. Um, yeah. Yes, Sebastian, what, what, what are your thoughts about Lightoller? I, I don't know if I'm actually moved in this podcast. It feels this is more of my sleepy contributions than <laughs> the other podcast. But yeah, I, I, I think like like uh, I tried to say earlier, that's more nuanced to this more nuanced picture of him. Uh, I think I'm also on defense because um, I, I wouldn't say I like hated him in the first place because there's also that aspect of putting yourself in their shoes and. I don't know if I would have acted differently had I been him and obviously did a lot of good things at Dunkirk and maybe he's a bit, you know, there's some shady things about him, but, you know, is it like, like with Murdoch and stuff, there's no perfect hero, not even on the Titanic. I think there are definitely some things you can poke holes in if you want to, but at the end of the day, maybe I think it's fair to say that they did the best they could with, with what they had. Uh, even, even someone as light dollar, even if, it is questionable by modern standards to drag uh, teen boys out of a, a, a lifeboat. That may have just been normal for that sort of thing. Uh, maybe just in his mindset, after all, it's a different set of morals for that time. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's a it's a it's a nuanced picture. It's not really a clear villain. Uh, Good man, whatever picture of 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 light holder. <laughs> yeah, even the um, the kind of of the time reading. Um, one one of the things in the British, sorry, the American inquiry. Um, Senator Smith was like, you know, the how, how many women could roll? You know, if you were putting two men in each lifeboat, that that only. That's okay, two men to roll, but what about all the other oars? And Lytle was like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, I guess women had to roll. And Smith's like, well, tell me, did women have to roll? And the answer is yes. Like, we, we know, you know, Molly Brown rolled, you know, um, the Countess of Roths was, she was at the tiller, I think, of her lifeboat. Um, 
So we know that it, it's fine. And it, it doesn't shock us in this day and age. We're like, okay, women rode, like, great. But there's a whole back and forth between Lightoller and Smith about what? Like, you only put 25 people on the first boat and the the shock and the anger isn't because of how little people there were. It's because of the fact that there was only two men. And Smith's like, who rode? Like, the women, women can't row. Women can't row boat. And, like, us nowadays, we're like, you know, yeah, well, they can. Like, we know they can. Like, it's fine. Um, I think it's also like a gentleman's etiquette thing over it. Like, like you know, because it's not that... that if I think partially it could be that, you know, the, the picture of women at the day was the delicate things that don't have to really put into hard labor. That's not their thing. Uh, and and also because men are to be at service for, for these women, I think that's at least, at least mentioned in the in in Lord's book, uh, that there was like a normal thing back then of men to offer their service to women before the journey started. Um, so that's just one thing I think could be like why there's such a shock factor, if you could call it that, from when you let women row, it's like these delicate things, you're letting them do hard work, how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Um, and I, it kind of gives us a, a different lens to look at these accounts through. So we can't take all at face value. We've got to kind of look at it through a modern lens. So, you know, when Senator Smith's saying, you know, you only had X amount of men to row the boat. It's like, well, no, actually, Lightoller, nowadays, if he'd lowered the lifeboat with two men, you know, Presley would be like, give me an oar, like, I'll roll. Like, so <laughs> we've got to look at it through our modern day lens. Um, but yeah, it's 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 wild. Nathan, yeah, what are your kind of closing thoughts on Lightoller as we draw to an end? I guess the main thing that I enjoyed about this was I got to learn a lot more. Um, even like before we started, reading the testimonies, they were a little boring at some points, but they had a lot of interesting parts to them where I recognized them like in the 97 movie where I was like, oh, that's exactly how he said it happened. Or like his conversation with um, Smith at the uh, bridge where he was talking about the ice warnings and how flat the ocean was. So it was exciting to see more information that there's definitely parts where you have to take into account that it was just one person seeing one thing and you can't always say that it's the complete truth. But I think that's the interesting thing about this whole story is that there's so many people involved that had different experiences, but they all went through it. And it's the human aspect of that story where it's enjoyable and interesting, so. No, it's true. Um, you know, as much as we tonight or today or tomorrow, whatever, we've criticized Lightoller for saying, you know, the ship did not break. You know, and we have watched basically every popular film version of the sinking has followed his narrative. 
and and a few of them he's been the hero you know he's been the main character you know we mentioned earlier that yeah and i remember the you know james cameron's 97 titanic he's not wearing a life belt but actually we we read the testimony and he was he was wearing a life belt you know he was and he said he was quite um adamant on making sure that every passenger he saw had one on and if he saw one without one he would say to them why aren't you wearing a life belt um go find it you'll find it in your cabin um so yeah um yeah it's i i hope coming away from this we've we've not seen that he's a a villain because he's not and that was never the intention i hope but it shows that actually the reason that we didn't think the ship broke until 1985, so 70 year, 73 years after the sinking, we, we thought the ship sank intact. And multiple people said in the inquiry and the British Wreck Commission that it did not sink intact, that it broke. But the fact that we had the, you know, Lord Mersey, the British Wreck Commissioner, say oh well you know i've had people say to me that it broke but how the fuck would that happen and lightoller's like i don't know like because it, it didn't <laughs> and lord mary's is like well i thought that so i guess it didn't break and lightoller's like cool sound didn't, didn't break and that was it case closed done you know 1912 finished didn't break um and it was only 73 years later that we found out oh it did break cool um i i think that's very telling um, and I don't, I don't think we've mentioned it. We've mentioned Lightoller's book, um, but in, within his book of Titanic and other ships that he worked on, he referenced the inquiry into Titanic. And he says, you know, his quote is, an airing of dirty laundry would help no one. So he, so he says, you know, if you've got this line, this fresh empty line, and you're hanging out these dirty bits of the ship broke, you know, the ship didn't have enough lifeboats, the ship this, the ship that, does it help anyone? And actually, I agree, it doesn't, actually, you know, because we, we know now the ship broke. Does it, does it help anyone? Does, does an airing of dirty laundry help anyone? No, really. And in 1912, if Lightoller had sat in front of Smith and Mersey and said, the ship broke, it was disastrous, people fell into the gaps and were burned alive and were zapped by electricity and it was awful. Does, it, does that help anyone? No. So he, he's kind of right. You know, he admitted that he kind of, maybe not lied, but that he didn't express the full truth but actually in doing that he also admitted that he was right in doing that or that or that he wasn't wrong in doing that so that's that's my um that's my two cents it's a lot it's a lot to unpack <laughs> i don't know how it... i feel anymore <laughs> president i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, yeah. she was a believer and a defender and now she's like stuck in the middle no i still kind of defend him but yeah <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and rightfully so, I think there's like still things that are that are to defend. Uh, and like I said, you know, no one's perfect. So I, I think like there's some cases you could say he definitely acted uh, correctly or did the right thing. But then there's other things that might, by modern standards, be you know outrageous. Uh... Yeah, you know, yeah, defend him where it's worthy. And you know, criticize again. Does an airing of dirty laundry help anyone? No. So if Presley came away from this thinking, Do you know what, I heard you guys, I listened to you guys, but I don't, I don't like what you said. I <laughs> it may be true, but I don't like it. I don't enjoy that. That doesn't do it for me. So even if Presley, just as an example came away from this having not changed her point of view to lie to her that's valid because doesn't doesn't airing of dirty laundry help anyone no you know presley holding up his dirty laundry and airing it out does it help anyone no it doesn't bring back any of the like 1496 people so what's the point point? and actually on the flip side of that me and anyone else saying lie to her contradict himself here here and here and he was wrong here here and here that doesn't help anyone either like neither it doesn't it doesn't help anyone it's it's kind of like the the three bladed central propeller thing like does it does it benefit anyone if does it matter if it was four three uh, yeah 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 does it matter no and actually most people don't give a fuck but the really, like, really into it people do. And, yeah, and Lytle will probably say it doesn't matter, but to the people that really care, it does. Yeah. Yes. So, so I'm, I get... I believe that he redeemed himself at Dunkirk. <laughs> and, and I do. Yeah, and I would say there's some truth in that, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I I love that. That's I think that's really a nice point to end on that we alluded to earlier, and yeah, we can end on it now. That actually, and and I do think you know I think Lee was like I don't I don't know if, or maybe Chandler was like I don't know if that was a hero complex or survivor's guilt, yeah. but it's but irrelevant. Yeah, maybe there's a sprinkle on top. Yeah, he. He might have loaded the first lifeboat to like a third of its capacity, but he filled that little boat at Dunkirk to like over a quarter of its capacity. He like quadrupled, quadrupled. It, it had a capacity of twenty-one, and he brought one hundred and thirty with him, including his son. Yeah, it was, it was licensed for twenty-one years. So, yeah. So he, yeah, he did an, an amazing thing. And actually, I, I think that for people in general, I think everyone's got a second chance. Every, everyone's got multiple chances for like anything. You know, you've, you've got a chance. If, if you did one little thing wrong in your past, just do one little thing right now or in your future. And if that makes you feel better, even if it's something that no one else knew about, if it's something you knew happened, but no one else knew, 
but it makes you feel a little bit better. Fair. Like, you know, everyone's got that opportunity to enlighten or whether it was conscious or whether it was just in the moment, he did it. And yeah, Lightoller proved himself and proved that he, in the face of adversity, could save people. And he did that. Yeah, and he's probably not the first historical figure to redeem uh, oneself in later life. Later yeah. in life. I mean, I'm sure if Hitler had survived, Hitler would have, I don't know. <laughs> he, would, he would have become a painter again <laughs> to save the world. I knew you were going to go there, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> It's like every yeah. single sci-fi series. <laughs> ever. It's like, oh, we can ta- we can time travel. What what's the first thing you want to do? Oh. Oh, what the hell? Let's kill Hitler. Yeah, Hitler would have opened like present comparison. <laughs> the war yeah. would have ended. He would have opened the gallery. Everyone would have been fine. <laughs> no, Hitler like dogs. He'd have opened like a puppy sanctuary or something, and like kept puppies and like. He would have been letting them out in the sinking. Oh, yes. the dog, and Hitler's like, I got this. <laughs> oh, how wild is that actually? I don't, I've never thought of this. Adolf Hitler was alive in Titanic sign. I, I wonder what his thoughts were about it. Because he was alive. <laughs> no. I mean, it was worldwide news. <laughs> next, next episode, what did Hitler think about Titanic? <laughs> Thanks to Presley. Welcome being like a respected intellectual podcast, like being down here with the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, on that note, um, yeah, we've. I think we've kind of settled on Lightoller. He said some things that were wrong, but it's still up for debate whether it was intentional or if it was just what he genuinely believed. Um, and yeah and even if there was some like conflicting stuff even people who were like victims of crimes can say things are conflicting Um, and yeah I've I've enjoyed this a lot I hope hope you've all enjoyed it too Um, Lightoller if you were here probably would have enjoyed it not a lot but you know tough he did so yeah (laughs) Thank, thank you all very much for joining me, um, and to Chandler, Callum, and Louis who were here, um, they have gone down to the D deck gangway door, and they never returned. So we can just assume that they're nada. D deck gang. Yeah, that that's my thing now. Like, if you're on the podcast and then you disappear, you're in D deck, and D deck has flooded and. You're dead. So that's it. Is what it is. God love you. But is this not going to be like the name for the low tiers and the patrons, like D Deck? <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> that's such a good idea. Because, like, you know, I, I was thinking, like, with the Patreon, it would, it would. I don't know if it would make more sense, but I've, I've seen on other Patreon, uh, like other YouTube channels with Patreon, that they name the titles after or the the different uh, tiers after a title or, or something like that. And I just think it could be cool to have, like, you know, uh, fitters, uh, firemen, uh, officers, captains, maybe even Coca. <laughs> That, that that would be cool. I like that. Um, Lord, no, sorry, Senator Smith, he referred to the boat deck as the sun deck. And I was like, that shows that you're a passenger. You're a 
a consumer of these ships, whereas us and Lightoller called it the boat deck. And Senator Smith, he, he was like, you mean, you mean the sun deck? The, the sun deck, because it's near the sun. And Lightoller was like, yes, yes, the fucking sun deck, yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, tier one will be the, the sun deck. And then it'll be... <laughs> Sundowner. <laughs> yeah, we're doing them in decks, like yeah. <laughs> I love that, um, and I love you all, and I hope to see you at the next recording. Love that a little little kiss. <laughs> um, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Let us know what you think of Lightoller. Do you agree or disagree with us? And we'll see you in the next one, which will be what unanswered questions of the sinking do you have? You know, what's the most or, you know, several of the most pressing things that you think, you know, did, did this happen during the sinking? Would this have prevented it? You know, just anything, really, you know, anything. You know, what are, what are the most unanswered questions about the sinking that you have? Um, and, yeah, we'll see you next time with that. Take care. <laughs>